Today is not the most popular thing to speak about, but it's my job, it's my responsibility to warn and to weave through the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with us to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. <coughs> Matthew 16, beginning with verse uh, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they began to speak. Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would just touch my voice. I pray that you would speak through me the words you'd have me to say. And Lord, may it do only to lift you up. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today is Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. In Psalm 139, verse 14, the psalmist said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knoweth right well. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, The word of the Lord came unto me and said, Before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. And therefore I sanctified thee, and I have ordained thee that when you come out of the womb that you will speak the words that I put in your mouth to the people who need to hear it. Is that you? Is that me? When Mary visited Elizabeth, the Bible says when Mary spoke that the baby that was within Elizabeth's body leaped. Now, I won't say this before I get into all that I'm going to try to say and do. If you are one of those people who have had an abortion, the best thing you can do is ask God to forgive you. And he's promised to do that. He has promised to do that. So if we think about this, around the world, yearly, this figure shocked me. I wouldn't have never dreamed about it. No less than 44 million, million abortions take place yearly around our world. Not this United States, but around our world. That means that while we're in this session of Bible study right here this morning, that there'll be no less than 5,000 babies killed in 30 minutes. God can do great things through these people. Because let me tell you something. We sometimes overlook the weak, the helpless, and the unborn. We don't need them. What do we need with an elderly person in a rest home laying up that don't know which day it is, that don't even know you when you visit them? Let me tell you something. God gave that person life. The Bible says it is God's business. He is the giver and the taker of life. 
What about a mentally disturbed person? Let's say a teenage child. What good is that child if it has to be waited on hand and foot? It's like a 17-year-old baby. What good is it? It is a human life. That's what good it is. God gave that person life. And he is the giver and the taker of life. What about that baby in the mother's womb? What good is that baby? It's never been born. It's never seen life. What does it know? It's a life. It's a human life. Guys, we're destroying them by the millions. Many ladies who sit in churches on any given Sunday may face the guilt of abortion. Now here again, let me tell you something. Ask God to forgive you. You don't need to carry that guilt around. Make sure you're saved. Ask God to forgive you because you will see that baby again. God, don't throw that stuff away. Even though they're taking baby parts and and doing things with them, God, don't throw it away. He will put that baby back together. Who would have ever thought that there would be a place in heaven that is loaded to capacity with unborn babies? You say you believe that? Yes, I believe that. God don't throw away a soul, my friend. Jeremiah, hey, before he was ever born, he was a living soul. God put that soul in that child. So those babies, listen, they do not go to hell. That mentally disturbed teenage child or whatever does not go to hell. Listen, those people who know right from wrong, who know what Jesus has done for them and have refused to accept that and die in that situation, they're the ones, my friend, that go to hell, okay? Not the babies, not the mentally disturbed. And as we walk down the halls of of rest homes, I mean hundreds, beds are full. And some of them literally, really, they don't even know what day it is. They don't know who you are. They don't know who I am. But they are a living creature that needs to be spoken to. That needs to say, I love you. You don't have to know them. I love you and pray with them. Call on the Lord to be real to them. I just, you know, hey, it's, it's the grace of God that gets us through any, any given day. Any given day. So I want to say to you young people, don't do something stupid by getting pregnant and then try to cover it up by killing the baby. Too right, too wrong, don't make it right. First of all, don't make the bad choice. Many of you, you have your lives laid out. You know where you want to go to school. You know what you want to become. And don't let the devil say, if you love me, you'll let me. Because he's a liar. He's a cheat. Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not come against it. 
Now, when we think about that, you know, hell is, is certain. Hell is real because Jesus said so. The apostles said so. The Bible says so. <clears throat> in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. I believe what the Bible says. When God says fire, he means fire. When he says hell, he means hell. When he says, he says outer darkness, he means outer darkness. No one has ever came back from hell and described it. Oh, there have been books written. But I go by what the Bible says. <clears throat> and it says that the rich man lifted up his eyes in heaven. That means he could see. He begged for Lazarus to bring a, a drop of water to cool his tongue. That means he had feeling. He begged, he begged Father Abraham to send somebody to his daddy's house because he had brothers. He had a memory. Some people say, well, I don't care. I go to hell and burn up and it's old well. Oh, no, it is not. It's just the beginning of an eternity that will last forever and ever and ever and ever. How long is that, preacher? It's forever. There are no exits out of hell. Once there, it's over. And I've heard people say, well, I'll just take my chance. Maybe I can get saved on a deathbed. Son, you may not make it to a deathbed. You may be killed in an accident instantly. Where would, you, where would your soul go? You don't have a second chance. While you have the opportunity here, now is the time. Jesus said today is the day of salvation. You know, many, many years ago, I, I looked at this passage of Scripture and I thought, the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. Listen, the church is going to be here until Jesus comes. I don't care what they say. I don't care what the government says or nothing else says about you can't go to church. I'm going. In fact, I am the church. I am the church because I am a saved creature and so I am part of the church. And don't tell me I can't have church. Again, I bring up the Good News Club. God bless that school, Orchard Park. I mean, those precious little souls. Now, some of them, the only church they get is on Monday at 3 o'clock. They get to mix and mingle with us. And it's amazing. I'm not the only one. I watch those kids go up to our adults and hug them. You know why? Probably because they don't get hugs. Somebody said, you better, you better be careful. They'll, they'll get you. I'd rather go to jail for hugging a child. If that's what it takes. Because when they come up to me, I'm not going to shun them. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me. And such is the kingdom of God. And they hear the Bible read. They hear Bible stories. And the other Sunday you saw results of that when a little Elijah got baptized. Came out of the Good News Club. And several of our children, hey, they heard it at the Good News Club. They heard it in our children's department. What Jesus has done. Well, I thought about these gates of hell. And so I began to ask myself questions.
I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to do my best to give you some answers. Because it's very sad when you come to the time of a funeral. Casket is here, the corpse is in the casket. And to hear somebody say, reckon, reckon they made it right. Does anybody know? Most people, the average person would have to say, I don't know. I don't know. I want to tell you something. I want you to do something right now in your own heart and mind, okay? And I want you to make your mind up to do it later. But in your mind, I want you to make your mind up right now. Husbands, listen. Today, sometime, or whenever you feel led to, you need to ask your spouse, Honey, I want to know if you're saved. Wives, sometime today, you need to ask your man, Honey, are you saved? Sometime today, you children ought to ask your parents, Mama, Daddy, are you saved? Sometime today, you parents need to sit down with your youngins and say, I want to know if you've been saved or not. Because when they're in the box, it's too late to ask them. While they're living, while they're alive, ask them. If the answer is no, then the next question ought to be, can you tell me why not? I want to help you. So I come up with these series of questions that I wanted answers to. Because I'm in a spotlight, okay? I'm at a funeral, all right? Prior to the funeral, you got people mainly mixing, and you'll have somebody pull you off to the side and say, Preacher, can, can you tell me anything about this, this person? Did you know this person? Hey, I've had to say sometime, no, sir, I never met the person. Well, what are you doing here? I was asked to come. So the first question is this, and you need, listen, if you're writing, you need to write this stuff down, because I'm going to give you scripture, and we're not going to take time to turn to it, okay? But you need to write it down, because you, as a Christian today, you are the spokesperson for that lost person to hear that Jesus died on the cross for them. Hello? All right, here we go. First question, where are the gates of hell? Where are they? Well, that's a simple question with a simple answer. And it might sound foolish. It might sound childish to you. But the, where are the gates of hell? They are at the entrance to hell. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. In fact, they're in the opposite direction of heaven. Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 22. This is what it says. Bible says, he calls it the lowest hell. The lowest hell. Psalm 55, 15. Simply says, going down into hell. Isaiah 14, 9. Hell is beneath. Ephesians 4, 9. Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. Revelation chapter 20, verse 3. Calls it the bottomless 
ผิดAnd I began to think about that entrance, and I, I just said, "Well, let me take each letter of the word entrance and see. Behind these gates is eternity. No escape. Behind these gates are people who neglected Jesus Christ. Behind these gates is tribulation forever and ever. Behind these gates, it is real life." Don't you get the idea that when you die lost, that it's over with? Because it is not. It's just the beginning. It is real. Behind these gates is agony. Behind these gates, there's nothing worth living for. But yet you're alive. Behind these gates is a choice that people made. Behind these gates is everlasting punishment. And it's all equal. It's all equal. But behind these gates, I took the word gates. Bible says there is and will be gnashing of teeth. That means grinding. That means chewing your tongue. Have you ever bitten your tongue? Hey, I have many times. It wasn't on purpose. And it hurts. But there'll be grinding of the teeth and gnashing Biting the tongue. There'll be agony without relief. There will be torment that never lets up. There is eternity that will last forever and ever. There is suffering without relief. Today, if we're suffering, we go to the doctor and say, Hey, here's what's wrong with me. I mean, here's where I'm hurting and I need some relief. And a lot of times we can come away with a pill that will give us some ease from the pain. Hebrews uh, 10, 31. This is what he says. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. Fearful thing. Well, where are the gates of hell? They are at the entrance of hell. Secondly, who guards these gates? You know, most of the time, gates have a guard. Today, if you have a gate, a lot of times you've got a camera. 
It'll let you know who's at the gate. Who's guarding these gates? Listen to what Isaiah 14, 9 says. This is frightening, but I want you to listen to what Isaiah 14, 9 says. Hell from beneath is moved for you to meet you at your coming. It stirreth up the dead for you, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of every nation that died without Jesus. A third question. Who's going to pass through these gates? Who will pass through these gates? It'll be those who have said, I don't want to get saved today. I I will think about it tomorrow. I am too bad to get saved. I don't want to get saved because I would embarrass myself and probably my family because they think I'm saved. The devil has answers for every question you got. Who will pass through these gates? I want you to listen to these verses of Scripture and, and you don't have time to turn to them, but just write them down. Proverbs 27, 20. Proverbs 27, 20. The first part of that verse says, Hell and destruction are never full. The Bible says, Hell hath enlarged herself. You know why hell hath enlarged herself? Because there's more people going to hell than there are to heaven. You don't see the scripture where it says, Heaven hath enlarged herself. No. God has prepared it already because he knows who's going. You and I don't know who's going, so it's our responsibility to witness to every soul we come of contact with. We need to give a witness one way or the other, a track or a handshake or a hug or a love or anything to encourage them to turn to Jesus. Okay? Psalm 9, 17. The wicked shall be turned into hell. It's like going down the road. You come to a fork in the road. The sign says heaven to the left, hell to the right. Which way are you going? You have a choice. You got a choice this morning. Which road will you take? In fact, you're already, all of us in this room right here, we're already on a road. We're either on a road if we're lost, we're on a road to hell. If we are saved, we're on a road to heaven. Now, do you want to pick up anybody along the way to take them with you? We should want to take people to heaven with us. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. But he that believeth not doth not have life. You say, I believe. Okay, I I understand that. I believe, preacher. Well, have you invited the Lord Jesus into your heart and asked him to forgive you over your sins? Yes, I've done that. Well, have you made it public? Well, no, I, I haven't made that public. And I certainly hadn't been baptized. And you're willing to leave this world? You know what Jesus said about not making it public? He said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you when you come into my kingdom. You need to make it public. And you need to follow Jesus in baptism. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting 
fire. You know what? It says, prepared for the devil and his angels. If you are lost this morning, you are an angel of the devil. If you're saved, you're an angel of the Lord. The fourth question. If there's a gate, and if there's guards, then surely there's a lock. So the question is, who has the keys to these gates? Revelation chapter 1. Verse 18, Jesus said this, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And then he says, I have the keys to hell and death. I'm satisfied that every time the devil hears keys jingling, he gets nervous. Because it could be the time when Jesus unlocks the gates of hell and cast him and all of his angels in that awful, terrible place and locks the gate. Where will you be? You will be somewhere. I will be somewhere. If we're saved, we'll be in heaven. We don't have to go through that awful, terrible place. If we're lost, it's hell and it's hell forever. The last question. Will you, will I, pass through these gates of hell? Here's some scripture for you. Hebrews 2, 3. How shall we escape if we neglect the gift of God's great salvation. Let me tell you something. There is no escape. There is none. There is no escape. Brother Mike and all that serve under him knows that when they're after the criminal, they're doing their best to escape. But there is no escape. You end up in hell. No use keep on running. Because you're going to run, either you're going to run into Jesus and you're going to accept him, or you're going to run into the devil and he will escort you right into the pits of hell. Bible says, where the worm dieth not. You ever throw a worm into a fire? You squirm and squirm a little bit and reckon he's burnt up and gone. It won't be that way in hell. You will not burn up and be over with and gone. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Listen to the rest of that verse. Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord. And then it was confirmed to us by them that heard him. Other words, from Jesus to his disciples to the people all the way up to the people today. How shall you escape if you neglect this great salvation? Those who have gone to hell are still there. Can you imagine? Now, I can't say for sure, but I'm going to name you some names according to what they did on earth. If they didn't go to hell, I don't know who did. Cain. 
Ahab, Jezebel, Goliath, Nero, Pilate, Felix, Hitler, and all the wicked crowd are still there. I don't know how it's going to be when we stand before God. But he's going to call names. And we're going to stand before him. When my time comes, I will hear it clearly. Kenneth Guyton Owen. I will stand before God and give an account for my life, whether it be good or bad. What's it going to be when he calls your name? In your mind. Call your name out loud in your mind. How will you respond? You're going to stand before him. Hey, we can avoid a lot of things, okay? I got an eye appointment coming up. The card said just call us if you're not coming. All I got to do is call the phone and say, I'm not going to make this appointment. My cardiologist, same thing. I'm not going to make this appointment. My lung doctor, same thing. I'm not going to make this appointment. My knee doctor, same thing. I'm not going to make this appointment. But I can't call God when he calls me. I can't call him and say, hey, I ain't making this appointment. Let me tell you, the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. There is no escape. Folks, I beg you, I plead with you. Don't be like some people. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it when I get home today. You don't know that you're going to get home. I could die right here in this pulpit. I could die before I reach those doors. I could die before I reach my car. I could die before I get to the restaurant to eat lunch. I could die shortly after lunch. You could have a funeral here Monday with me. I, where will I go? Where will I be? I will go where I have prepared my heart and my soul to go. And that's heaven because I have simply invited Jesus into my heart and asked him to forgive me of my sins. It's just that simple, y'all. There shouldn't be a lost person in this room today walk out those doors lost. Now, I'll say it this way. Don't let the devil trap you and trick you into doing things that's horrible. Get to the altar. Ask God to forgive you. And I promise you won't be up here by yourself. The Holy Spirit of God will be here and some person in physical form will meet you here. Don't sit back and say, well, I don't want to embarrass my family. Listen, I'd rather be embarrassed by my family or you today than to be embarrassed and stand before God and hear him say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. I'm sorry, I don't know you. The airline pilot came on the radio, the intercom, and he said, folks, I got good news and bad. The bad news is my radio's gone out. My radar's gone out, and I have no idea where we are. We're making 600 miles an hour. All I can tell you, the good news is we're making good time. Some of you, your radio is out, your radar is not working, and you don't seem to care. And what I mean by that, you're not in touch with God. You have no idea when your number, I've heard it said many times, when your number's going to come up. You don't have a clue when that number's coming up. 
but it's coming up, but you're making some good time the way you're going. You're happy. You got good health. You got a good family. You got good friends. And if you work, you got a good job. But listen, your number and mine will come up, mark it down. We will be pronounced dead. And no, no manner of all this pumping and bumping and jumping on somebody's going to bring them back. I beg you today. I beg you today. If those that I know that are lost, you know, if it wouldn't embarrass you and cause you to turn and never, ever set foot in this place again and never, ever consider the Lord Jesus, I'd come back and lovingly bring you up here and ask you, would you like to be saved? But that don't get it. Jesus calls. He called his disciples one at a time. He says, come and follow me. And the Bible says they came, they went, and they followed him. They dropped what they were doing and followed him. The Bible says unless the Spirit of God draws you, there's no reason to come. I don't know what else to say. But the gates of hell are real. And there's people passing through there, no telling how many by the thousands since I started this sermon. No guarantee of tomorrow. Jesus said today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow. Yesterday is gone. We only have today. I beg you. I have one more thing to say. I ask you in the beginning about going to your spouses, going to your children, going to your parents. What about your friends? What about your friends? There have been a lot of young people killed in this county. Wrecks, suicides. And the funeral home will be packed out with young people. Do you know where your friends are going? You need to ask your friend, hey, are you saved? Have you been baptized? Talk to them. There's coming a big quiz, y'all. And there's only two answers. Yes, I have. No, I haven't. I beg you, obey the Lord, please. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to stand here today. Lord, you know my heart. And I thank you for saving me many years ago. And Lord, I know that I've been gone astray many times. But I thank you for that second chance. Lord, I pray for any ladies in this congregation that have had an abortion. Lord, I pray that, that they have made things right with you. If not, help them to do that today. Because your grace is sufficient. You said it yourself. Your grace is sufficient to forgive them. And God, I pray that they would do that. And that maybe they could help somebody who's had an abortion, who's fighting that. Or maybe they could help someone who's gotten pregnant and don't want the baby. God, help our people to stand together. Help them to love one another. God, I pray that you'd bless our people. God, I thank you for those in this congregation that are saved. I thank you for their witness. And I pray for those right now that aren't saved. Lord, that they would come. They don't have to know what to say, but just come. You said, come. All you that, are, uh, uh, lay, that labor and heavy laden, and you'd give them rest for their weary souls. God, touch them in a special way. And Lord, we'll praise your holy name now, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.